0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. It's It's been a long time since I got to sit in the presence of Mark and do some ministry with him. I've been sitting for a long time in between a situation, but today I've stepped out of my comfort zone, and I believe the time is now to speak a word to you that maybe you should have heard a long time ago, so y'all bear with me today. It's a turning point in my life today. I'll get through this in a moment. I was telling myself I wasn't gonna cry, but here I am. I wanna say hello to those of you that are watching via the live stream. I'm not really a crybaby, but today I am. This is a special moment for me. I remember it was 17 years ago. I met Pastor Mark. I walked into a place. I was broken and beat up in my spirit, and I walked in, and he had already had a sermon put together for the congregation, that they were already healthy and whole and on their way. But a bunch of us came in broken and busted and he threw his notes away and he began to minister to those of us that were broken that night. And out of everybody that was in the crowd that night, he looked at me and he said, Son, you're not going down, you're going up. And there are some prophecies that come come about that they don't really pan out but that prophecy panned out and so today I want to honor Pastor Mark and those that are on staff here today for this great opportunity to have me come and speak to the people today and I really have a word from God for you today. We're going to be talking today if you'll go with me uh, in Acts chapter 27. We're going to speak out of Acts chapter 27 today but I'm, I'm honored today to know that God is a God of new beginnings. And how many of us know that we have to have new beginnings in our lives? And as I think back, there's something I don't want to, to leave out is that when I, when I first met Pastor Mark, he, he doesn't carry a towel because he doesn't sweat. <laughs> it doesn't mean that he's not a great preacher, he just doesn't sweat the way that I do when I'm getting after it. Don't know know how much I'll sweat today, but I do have my towel today. And as he was preaching, I I said to God, I said, God, I kind of want to be like this guy. He's funny, and he could preach, and he can get up and just say, Jesus wept. And thousands came to a place, came to Jesus at a place out in the, the state fair. I was like, all he said was, Jesus wept. What happened? And just tons of people came to Jesus, and I said, Lord, I want a double portion of that. And so later on, we got together, and God began to show me some things. But this morning, as I was getting up, ready to leave the house, the Lord had me go back and Google the Titanic. And I'm like, Lord, I already have my sermon, and what do I need to know about the Titanic? And as I went back and Googled it right quick, because my ride was there, Brother Heron was there to pick me up, and I found that there were 2,228 people on board the Titanic. And 337 were in first class. 285 were in second class. 721 were in third class. And 885 were crew members. They were the working class. But I came to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what class you're in, there's a storm that'll hit your life. It doesn't matter what class you're in. It doesn't matter what status you hold in life. There are storms of life, and you are not exempt from the storms of life. And so as I went on to read on, it said that there were 1,503 people that total that died, including passengers on the crew. And one of the first lifeboats to leave the Titanic carried only 28 people. It could have held 64 people. There were enough life jackets for all 2,208 people, and most of everyone was wearing one. And so I'm asking today that if the body of Christ is wearing life jackets, why is there so much failure in our lives? If we all have on the life jackets of Jesus Christ, why are we failing so much? And so as we go over to Acts chapter 27, I want to start there and I want to give you a sermon title, something that you won't forget today. We go to Acts chapter 27 and starting at verse 41, the Titanic was in a ship they were on the ship, and many were lost. And we're going to find Paul today that is going to be in a storm, and they're going to have the same problems that they had out on the waters. But in Acts chapter 27, verse 41, is Paul is out on the waters, and he's in a storm. It said, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. And the bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. How many of us have been pounded in life? How many of us have had some things that that has hit our lives and knocked us around and beat us up? I know I have. Can somebody say amen? amen? And so the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan, and he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and to get the land. When we had our little storm, many of us jumped overboard, and many of us knew how to swim, but there were many around us that did not know how to swim. There are some of us that don't know how to swim in the storms of life. Can I get an amen? And therefore, this is why I believe that the Mosaic Church has been put together, because the church means broken pieces being put back together, and today we're going to talk about broken pieces, and there are four million people, or right at four million people in Oklahoma, and one study shows that there are a million, that there's at least one million people that know nothing about God or have backslidden or stepped away from God. I don't know how true that is, but I found that as I was looking. And so the question is, why is there a Mosaic Church coming up? The question is, the Mosaic Church needs to be here because Oklahoma needs to have somebody to speak into their lives. And so if it's that many people that are missing, don't ask why the church came up. You got to know that if God is in it, there's a purpose for the church coming up. We don't want the question to be, why is Mark bringing the church up? Why won't they just say that and say, why are you, why, why the Mosaic Church? Because we need a church in Oklahoma that's going to put lives back together. Oh, it's a turning point for me today. It's a turning point for me today. I'm not, I didn't. Listen, I know some of y'all might be just like it was when Joshua was there and the angel showed up and Joshua said, are you with us or against us? And the angel said, neither. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts today. I just came to preach the gospel. Can I preach the gospel? And verse 43 said, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and he kept him from carrying out their plan and he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land and the rest were to get there on planks on broken pieces of the ship and in this way everyone would reach land safely my assignment this morning is we are coming in on broken pieces we are all coming in on broken pieces and i want you to know why jesus came in luke chapter 4 and in verse 18 it said the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the what the brokenhearted he didn't come to tell you where you came from and what you deserve he came to heal the brokenhearted can i get an amen he came to heal the brokenhearted why did he come to heal the brokenhearted because he knew that there would be brokenhearted people in the land that's why he came that's what he came to do is to heal the brokenhearted and the priest the, the deliverance to the captive and recovery of the sight to the blind That was his only purpose he didn't come to tell me what I deserve he came to tell me what I need and I need help and so when we sin against God the Bible teaches us that a broken and a contrite heart enables us to be forgiven somebody say forgiven and restored and let me put the the word restored back into the body of Christ So that we'll understand what restored means. It means to return a person to an original condition by repairing him. There are some times when we have to be rebuked, but after rebuking, there ought to be a repairing. Don't get quiet on me when I'm preaching good. Somebody say restored. And sometimes things around us fall apart. Mark, you wouldn't know nothing about that. And it leaves us broken to pieces. You wouldn't know nothing about that. And that becomes a turning point. See, you're sitting here at Mosaic because it's a turning point in your life. And when God is at work in your life, redeeming, somebody say redeeming. That's a word I want you to study, redeeming. When he's redeeming you from your past issues, you don't know nothing about that more. And your struggles... He protects you while you work your way through the storm you're going through. He's redeeming you while you work your way through the storm. Listen to me. I've been there, done that, got the cap and the baseball bat. Somebody saying forgiveness, restored, redeeming. And when you're going through these things, it makes it, 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 what the word redeeming means is to make a bad thing or a person better or more acceptable. You don't shun them, you make them better. And listen here, I'm, I'm not here just on behalf of, of my friend Mark. I'm be, be here on behalf of a lot of things and a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of hurting people. This sermon is not about Mark. It's about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so he positions people around you, staffed, whose sole interest is to make sure he gets there. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? And And so so in in Acts Acts chapter 27, Paul was placed on a ship that was headed to Rome with 276 other men, and the reason Paul was put on that ship was to make sure that every last one of those men made it. You see, there's a purpose in life when God puts you somewhere, and you have to understand that. And so I want to really get over to the heart of the message, but I got up the other day when I got this call, and I went over and Googled the name Mark Crow. And I thought after that, I said, I'm not going to Google my name. (laughs) I said, good Lord. I said, I'm not going to Google my name. (laughs) But what I like about it is out of all that was there, there was, it said, Mark Crow Mosaic Church. Come on, somebody. It had made its way to the top of the list, and and something caught my eye. And it was out of the the verse that y'all have on your web page out of 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. It says, God made my life complete when I placed all my pieces before him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If you haven't visited that, you have to go get that. And out of that came my assignment today. I'm coming in on broken pieces. How many of us remember this? I'm going to start it out and you finish it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Boy, I bet you hadn't read that lately, have you, Pastor (laughs) Mark? But we have a different kind of king. I'd say the king that we serve today, he puts us back together again. I know that that's just a nursery rhyme, But they said that all the horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Some 500 years, they were looking for King Richard III, who was buried under a parking lot in the England, and they finally dug him up in 2012, 500 years later with a busted skull. How many of them know if your king got a busted skull, he can't help you fix your busted skull? $3.7 million to dig him up and just to rebury him. But our king is alive and well. Our king is a restorer. In 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 and that, in that scripture went on to say, when I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. There are many times when you take God for granted. You get out of, you get out of God and get in yourself. And every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together again. Mark, you look put back together. You look put back together. You've had some broken pieces, but Paul told the the captain of that ship, said, listen, you're busted and broken, and what I want you to do, if you don't know how to swim, grab some pieces and get to shore. And so Mark has found him some grace and found him some mercy. Come on, somebody. And so he swam his way back in on grace and mercy and direction and purpose and destiny. Can somebody help me in this house? God is not a throwaway God. He is a God of new beginnings. Coming out of Flagstaff, uh, Arizona in the 18-wheeler, my life was tore up from the floor. And I raised my hands up to heaven in that truck, and I said, God, if you're who my wife say you are, hook a brother up. And something like liquid love came down in that truck and began to put my pieces back together again. And that's why I'm standing here today, because God is not a throwaway God. He doesn't throw us away. And I like this part right here. It says, I I feel put back together again. And I'm watching my step. You better be. I'm watching my step. I'm watching what I do. And God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Somebody say this with me. Mercy rewrote my life. And that's what happened. Mercy rewrites our lives. Your life wasn't rewrote, hadn't been rewritten because of something else. It was mercy that rewrote your life. And all of us need mercy. All of us have been broken before. All of us have been beat up in our spirits before. But our God is not under a parking lot somewhere in Leicester, England. Our God is on, he is on the throne today and looking down and looking low. And he's saying, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed unto him. And you're not exempt. And as I get to go a little bit further, am I doing okay today? Somebody say, Coming in on broken pieces. You say, How many points do you have today? That's it coming in on broken pieces give your neighbor a high five and say you too now we want to look at Acts chapter 27 and 29 it says fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks they dropped all four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight they put two anchors on each side of the ship and that's the way it is in our storms we drop our four best scriptures and hold on Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about? When you're going through some things, we start dropping scriptures. If God is for me, who can be against me? We start dropping scriptures, all four of them. I've been made more than a conqueror. I know you didn't feel like one, did you? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And then sometimes we take it out of context. We say, blessed in the city and blessed on these choppy waters. And so we drop our four best scriptures and hold on. But let me tell you something, when God's got a plan in your life, I don't care how many scriptures you got, you're going through that storm. You can drop your scriptures all you want to, you're going through the storm. And so in verse 20 it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You see, storms, if you get in the right storm, it'll beat you down. When you've lost children, when you've lost finances, when you've lost your dignity and lost your pride and lost everything. See, there are some storms that'll beat you down. There are some storms that'll beat you down to the ground and you'll give up hope and you're saying, God, wait a minute now. I dropped my four anchoring scriptures and they ain't working. And so what do you do at that point? The Bible said that they were in such a storm that they just let go of the stern. And sometimes in life, you got to let go and let go. They, say they just said, hey, forget it. We ain't, we, we're not in control. We're totally out of control. And they just turned the thing loose. And I guarantee you there's times in your life, Mark, when you thought you had it all together and you was going to stir your way right back to where you thought you was going. But God had another plan. You thought the ship was going that way. And God said, get your hand off the stern. I got this. My little one-year-old grandbaby the other day, I put her up on the tractor with me, and I was going to let her help drive, and here I was trying to help her. Both of her little hands pushed my hands off the wheel. i was like, really? How are you going to turn this? And we get down to the end when it's time to turn. How many of us know when your life is at a turning point, you need somebody to help you? I said, well, at least let me help you turn it. And that's what's happening with you, Pastor Mark. God is saying, at least let me help you turn it. I mean, you think you got it together, but let me help you turn it. And so, when you are about God's business, you will encounter opposition mixed with dark times. Some storms are ordained by God, and many of our storms are self inflicted. We could stop right there and have revival, couldn't we? Many of our storms are self inflicted. I'd much rather be in a storm where it's ordained of God. And Paul was in a storm that was not caused by himself. Because by people who made a bad decision. Oh, it got quiet right there, didn't it? Because you have to understand, when you're making decisions, you're going you're to jeopardize the lives of many around you. You see, I came to tell the truth today. You can't make just your own decision, thing that it's not going to, going to hurt. I'm going to speed right down through this. Paul began to pray on that ship, and he got a visitation right in the middle of his raging storm. How I many of you know if God made you a promise that in the middle of the storm that the, 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 God's word is still yes and amen? He told Paul, he said, listen, go ahead and sail. Paul got up and gave them a rebuking and a promise. He said, I wish y'all would have listened to me. We wouldn't have been in this mess. But I heard an angel say last night that not a one of us are going to be lost. You see, God will give you a promise in the middle of the storm. A rebuking that times is necessary but after that where are my promises i heard that but where are my promises and god comes right down in the middle of that storm and say don't worry about it your decision will not only affect you but other people will be impacted by our decisions paul warned them about the storm and so now they were about to suffer the consequences for listening for not listening how many of us know the holy spirit is our god the Holy Spirit is put there to tell you to put the brakes on. The Holy Spirit is there to tell you, say, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't think so. Hello. You he said it's our comforter. You said the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And I want you to understand today that the Holy Spirit is not broken or is it ineffective. There are no malfunctions with the Holy Spirit. I was given a car here a couple of weeks ago, and an amazing car from an amazing friend, and I was driving down the road, and I've been working on it and working some bugs out of it. And the other day, yesterday, coming down the freeway, so smooth, and I looked on the dash, and it said, no malfunctions. No, oh, when that car says that, man, it is smooth selling, brother. I mean, it is smooth selling. And finally, the car says, no malfunction. Let me tell you something. If the Holy Ghost has gotten you, it'll say to you, no malfunctions today. You're not, to, you're not out of order today. And let me tell you something right now. The greatest feeling in the entire world is not winning a $400 million lottery, but the greatest feeling in the entire world is to get up in the morning and not have to ask for forgiveness for something you did last night. That's the greatest feeling in the world. Now, I want y'all to understand something. I'm going to have to fast forward a little bit to get right down to the bottom of this. But you're probably sitting there going, Preacher, what's your point? Well, my point is that God still uses broken and battered things. That's my whole point today. One point. We're coming in on broken pieces. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And I came to tell you today that God still uses broken things. Many of you might not know that crushed grapes makes the finest wine. Crushed grain makes the best bread. The the crushed petals of a rose makes the finest perfume. Some of y'all are sitting there smelling just marvelous and don't even know that those petals had to be crushed for you to smell that way. Are y'all still here? God can still use crushed things. Moses had a broken speech, but God used him to lead his children out of, out of Egypt. Esther came from a broken home raised by her cousin Mordecai, but she saved the Jews from being wiped and annihilated off of the face of the earth. How I many of us know that broken things can still be used? A woman out of Samaria had experienced five husbands and a shack up boyfriend. We don't know no people like that, do we? Had had five husbands and a shack up boyfriend. She was broken and tore up from the floor up, but she was reusable. And God, after God got through with her, she goes into the city. And she goes, Woo! come see a man that told me about my old crazy self. I was tore up from the floor up, and then Jesus came. And then that was Jesus who took five loaves of bread, and he broke it, and he used it to feed 5,000. You see, God can use broken things, and that's why he came, that we can get up. But as I was coming down the road yesterday in my car with, that said no malfunctions, God gave me a revelation. He said, the truth that sin is the biggest cause of brokenness, but shame and rejection is the biggest roadblock to recovery. I wasn't even asking for that. I was looking at my, my instrument panel, looking at no malfunctions, and he gave me a revelation. I'll read it to you again before those of you that are watching. It's no secret that sin is the biggest problem to brokenness, but shame and rejection is the biggest roadblock to recovery. I thank God that He didn't set a roadblock for my recovery from my sin and my malfunctions, but He told me how to get down broken pieces. Today I'm thinking about Mephibosheth, the son. He was the grandson of a king and the son of a prince. Jonathan was his, was his father and Saul was his grandfather. How many of us you know that that's royalty? And in the middle of his life, some storms hit his life and the caretaker grabs him and could have took him anywhere. She could have took him to Outback for a steak, but she took him to Lodabar. And the is the is is most... They say there was no pasture there. There was no healing there. There was no water there. There was no freshness there. Ever been there, Mark? A place called Lodabar. But you got to understand what covenant means. Covenant means that it's a binding agreement and it doesn't matter where you are. I made a covenant with you and I'm going to see about you. Jonathan and David had made a covenant. Jonathan says to David, if, if my family get in trouble, please take care of them. David said to so Jonathan if I die before you please, please take care of mine, mine. It's, it's a, it's a type a in the shadow of Jesus Christ coming as a covenant God and they were at a table one day I'll just close my notes right there they were at a table one day at a banquet and David said there's still more room at the table is there anyone that I can bless in the lineage of Jonathan and somebody said that there's one more my lord And he said, where is he? He said, he's down at Lodabar. David never said, we don't deal with Lodabar people. David never said, don't drag him in because he got issues. David said, go bring him here to me. Now, you got to understand that Mephibosheth is royalty in the wrong place. You ever been in the wrong place? I came to tell you that you were royalty in the wrong place. But I came to tell you today that God doesn't kill royalty. Just because my life is jacked up, God is still a God of new beginnings. And what happened that day, and I'm going to close. King David said, go bring him here to me. And when Mephibosheth came in dragging his leg, the Bible said that he was crippled and lame in one leg. Sometimes we come dragging in like something the cat drug in. But I came to tell you today that no matter what condition you're in, the king is calling you. It doesn't matter how broken you are today. The king is calling you. And when Mephibosheth came dragging in, he came dragging in like something from the dead. And when he came in, he bowed down. David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, "At your service, Lord. And he bowed down. In front of King David and King David said on your feet I didn't come to kill you I came to bless you get up and stand on your feet today and here is what the devil wants us to think about ourselves Mephibosheth said to the king what is it that's in you can't see something in a dead dog like me you see the world will make you feel like a dead dog and I'm gonna tell you something Christians sometimes are the world's worst that'll make you feel like a dead dog. But I came to tell you today that the king is calling you. Stand up with me today, if you will, all over the building. Maybe you're in a broken place today. Well, you're at a place called Mosaic. You're at a place today that is a place that is going to put pieces back together. If he put your leader back together, he'll put you back together. You may not have gone through what he's gone through. But I came to tell you it's a turning point in the state of Oklahoma today that the God we serve is a God of new beginnings. And you can find that new beginning at a place called Mosaic Church. Now stretch your hands toward heaven. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Preacher, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. If that's you today, I want you to simply come quickly and we're going to pray over you. You saying man my life is tore up from the floor i got some brokenness going on in my life i'm coming in on broken pieces today if that's you today i want you to come and we're going to pray over you i believe that that's how it works here if that's you today you're saying man i'm broken but i'm coming in on broken pieces and we're going to pray over you today and we're going to pray over you corporately and turn you back over to pastor rick just stretch your hands what heaven father we thank you today I come to you today, Lord God, with a word right off of the portals of heaven, that simply say that you are God of new beginnings, that simply say, Lord God, that all of us are coming in on broken pieces, and that, God, you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. You said that you wish none would perish, Lord God, and that, Father, I thank you today because you are the restorer of broken lives. I pray over every, every man, woman, and girl under the sound of my voice today. That, God, that you would touch us and move us out of this place thinking that we cannot be touched by the power of God. That my my situation is grave. It's not a grave situation. And today I just thank you, God, as we give honor to God in this house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.